What up everybody and welcome to another episode of Second Take Cinema coming at you from the glorious Impala Films headquarters in sunny Southend. As always, I'm your host Jamie Evans from Impala Films and joining me as always is the spaceman himself, Rory Jocelyn from Cyberpunk Studios. Hello everybody. So today, ladies and gentlemen, in case you wondered what film we're uh, dissecting in our second Take Cinema episode, uh, we, we're doing part of a big franchise. Mm. Uh, our first franchise movie, I think. Yeah. Nothing we've... Oh, oh no, Spy Kids. Spy Kids, technically Spy Kids. a franchise, but it's, that's the beginning of a franchise. We're, we're halfway through a franchise, or right at the end. We're at the like end. Te- well... So depends, far. Depends. Are we going on production order or chronology order? So production order is the last the one last so one. far. But so, yeah. The worst day of your life so far. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking a little sci-fi, a little horror, a little action, a little artistry. It's going to be really good. From the year of 2017, directed by Ridley Scott, we're talking Alien Covenant. So that's right, ladies and gentlemen, today we are talking about Alien Covenant from 2017. This is the sequel to Prometheus, which came out in 2012. It is the second prequel to Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and this film is directed by Ridley Scott on a screenplay by John Logan and Dante Harper, although the story was by Jack Paglin and Michael Green, um, based obviously on characters created by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shushet. Um, starring Michael Fassbender, Catherine Waterston, Billy Crudup, Danny McBride, and Demian Bichere. Um, I'm familiar with most of those actors. Uh, in fact, all of those actors I have seen in at least one other thing. Uh, Demian Bichere is a great actor. He was in Weeds, okay. uh, which I really like. Billy Crudup is an actor I really like. Catherine Waterston, around this time, did she, she headlined a couple of big films because she is also one of the lead actors in Fantastic Beasts Somewhere to Find Them, which is a film I did not like. Well, <laughs> I I didn't like Harry Potter, so I doubt I'd like Fantastic Beasts either. Uh, I doubt it because it's a worse. It's worse than Harry Potter. Yeah, it's basically Harry Potter, but worse. So <laughs> it's Harry Potter without Harry Potter in it. <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> anyway, uh, this was made on a budget, an estimated budget of between ninety-seven million and one hundred and eleven million dollars, and it made two hundred and forty point nine million dollars. Now, it's worth noting that that production budget does not include marketing, and this film is widely regarded as a box office bomb. Unfortunately, in fact, domestically in the United States and Canada, it only made seventy-four point three million. See, when I find Usually what I find is when something's a box office bomb, usually it's just where it hasn't made its money back in America. 
They mm. tend not to give a toss about the re- the rest of the world adds up to more than the budget. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it's it? It's kind of yeah. I don't know why that is, but like I think a lot of these typical. American brands, it's I just like it's... it didn't make it in America, therefore it didn't make it anywhere yeah, in the world. That, I think it's that typical American exceptionalism attitude. Yeah, where like yeah. if it ain't American, it don't count. Yep, uh, which is you know unnecessary. Um. The only reason and we know fa- Stars and Straps exists is because it's on our flag. And the fact it bombed doesn't mean anything. I, I, this, if I've learned anything over my many, many years of being a film enjoyer, and I'm sure you will agree, um, it's that box office performance is not actually a good indicator no. of whether a film is any good or not. Well, there's a lot of films that are considered, you know, amazing cinematic classics today. That tanked. That tanked, like Blade Runner, tanked. Mm. But you wouldn't say that's... A poor showing. It I made <laughs> it, it made an amazing amount of its money back in home yeah. uh, in home video release. Yeah, that's where it made its money. We'll get to Blade Runner in a future episode though, because yeah, I I do not like Blade Runner. Oh, mate, you're wrong. So Says Mister, I hate Goodfellas. I made a good reason why Goodfellas wasn't. And I, when we get there, I will make a good Fair reason enough. why I dislike Blade Runner. That's and it's play. called and it's called Charisma Vacuum. Harrison Ford. Okay. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, we are going back to Jamie. Your film taste sucks. <laughs> I'm the one dropping spicy takes now. Spice, baby, spice. Um, and there's plenty of films that make shit loads of money and people kind of forget about them because they're actually not that good. Harry Potter. Transformers. Avatar. Avatar. Oh, Avatar is the most vacuous, empty piece of shit. Well, I wouldn't say most empty. It is. There I is mean, nothing in that film except for gorgeous visual effects. Yeah, but... I'm sorry, but gorgeous worse. visual effects does not a good I mean, film make. Fifty Shades of Grey. That ain't, that, that ain't even got the gorgeous visual effects. It's got nothing. It's got nothing. You've got nothing. I mean, yeah, all right. Well, we'll talk about Avatar when we get there because it is yeah. planned, isn't it? But at the same time, it like, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying it's the worst film ever made, but it's certainly the biggest yeah. disappointment in my life. Uh, but a- <laughs> you're the biggest disappointment <laughs> in your life. <laughs> Why, thank you, Jamie. Anyway, <laughs> Alien Covenant received generally positive reviews from critics, has a 65% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <gasps> Um, and the general uh, feeling when I've read it seems to be that most people like the individual elements of the film, but don't think that they coalesce into a, a necessarily functional whole. Seems to be the... Are you laughing at whole? Functional whole, yeah. <laughs> You're a child. Look, the aliens in this film make functional holes out of the people. Whole with a W, okay? Okay. Do you want to say it like... Hole. Whirl. Hole. Whirl. Like I'm very posh when they say things like wh- Like we're whoke. Like where? Where are you? Cool whip. That's from Family Guy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, and let's be honest, the thing most people single out in their reviews is Michael Fassbender. Yes. Doing a dual role in this movie. Uh, a lot of people with a lot of praise for Mr. Fassbender. So... As always, ladies and gentlemen, this is your usual spoiler warning. Uh, Spoilers lie beyond this part. So if you don't want spoilers for Alien Covenant or indeed other films in the Alien franchise, because we're probably going to end up mentioning them, them. including Uh, Prometheus. Yeah. um, Turn away now. Um, Abandon all hope you enter here. Uh, 
For those of you who are staying, let's talk Alien Covenant. We'll start with a brief synopsis of the plot. Uh, Set ten years after Prometheus, this follows the crew of a ship called the Covenant, which is a colony ship which is heading for a planet whose name I suddenly forget. It was or- began with O. Or- it sounds like Oregon, yeah. doesn't it? Oregon <laughs> 7. They're on the Oregon Trail. Yeah. yeah. You died of dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they, they die of worse things than you that. Died of, you died of xenomorph, baby. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, they go- they're heading for a planet to colonize. They've got, like, two million colonists. Two thousand. Two thousand, sorry. And they've got uh, 12, I think, crew, crew members. members. Yeah. Um, and they are one. Well, it, it does. Sorry, there's an android amongst them. That's an open android, which is one of the uh, fast bender ro- ro- yeah, uh, roles. So this one does he classify is... as crew or is he like extra? I don't know. To be honest, I, I can't remember if he's one of the twelve or not. Uh, but he is called Walter, and we are given to understand that he is an updated model on David, who was in the first film. Yes, who was also played by Michael Fassbender. Yep. Um, and the big difference we come to learn is that the updated model is actually more machine-like and less human because people were creeped out by the David models. So that's very similar to a, a narrative in Star Trek Next Gen um, okay. with Data. Oh, yeah. Um, Data has a brother that was actually made first called Law, who's evil. Um, and the character, the, the reason he's evil is that he, and he's superior, is that he has emotions... Right. Uh, but the emotions meant that he also had an ego. Um, he creeped people out by being too human-like. Mm. And then eventually, I mean, it's it's from a season one episode. So while the concept of lore is good, what he did is a bit crap. Uh, like He, he then con- communicates with this crystal entity, which comes around and murders everyone. But later on, we found out the crystal entity is actually somewhat good or not or something. But anyway, the main point being that there is uh, the dual element of data and law, law being the older superior version in terms of having um emotion and the right of choice and then they took that away in the superior quote unquote superior model of data. Mm. Um David and Walter have basically the exact same uh dy- like dynamic in this. So the writers of Next Gen should be filing a lawsuit any day now. I'm pretty certain, like, having <laughs> two brothers think one is superior is not unique to Star no, Trek. No, no. Um, and they are hit by a neutron blast, isn't it? Uh, from yeah. an exploding star. Completely random event, just bad I think it's like a solar there. flare sort of thing. It just yeah. sort of emanates so they couldn't guess it. And this damages their ship enough that the ship wakes the crew as an emergency measure. However, due to a malfunction in his hypersleep pod, they actually lose their captain, played inexplicably by James Franco, um, who has no lines except in a flashback video. um, Where he's climbing a mountain. Just gets immolated right at the beginning of the movie. burned alive inside of his uh, cryo chamber, ironic. Uh, But, and that, yeah, you're right. He's in like two or three photos... And then there's like very brief video where he's up a man going, "Hey babe, wish you were here. Yeah. See ya." That he clear- and then he dies screaming in a box, and then that's the last you see of him. Yeah, like- D- D- James Franco was on set for a grand total of one day. <laughs> Which makes you wonder what was he, the point. Like he turned up to get access to craft services, did a few lines, <laughs> and left. Yeah, and by a few lines, I mean lines of coke, because that dude is definitely on cocaine. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, yeah. The- it's just such a because he's a big celebrity. Here's the thing: like, um, there's a film called Life that has Ryan Reynolds in it. Yes, which it, you spoiled for me. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, sorry about that. But spoilers for anyone with the film Life. As oh, well. sure, warn them. 
Well, I thought you'd seen it. Uh, but anyway, uh, Ryan Reynolds is the first crew member to die in that film. So despite he's not being actually, a big name. Yeah, despite being the biggest name. And oh, actually, I don't know. Isn't Jake Gyllenhaal in that film as Oh, well? he is, yeah. Uh, but um, I'd still say Ryan Reynolds at that point was bigger than Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Because it was, I think it was post-Deadpool. Right. Um, but anyway, the he dies really, like, he's the first one to die. He dies early on and he doesn't get any sort of like video or anything like bringing him back. He's gone. And it just seemed a bit of a weird bait and switch. And that I think that for something like that, you go, maybe it's because it had a low budget. Yeah. Comparatively. I mean, it's not super low budget. It's still quite a decently budgeted film by the looks of it. But, you know, a lower budget, maybe. But Alien Covenant, not a low budget production. No. Was not like a Ridley Scott production. It's not going to be a low budget production. Not nowadays. Um, so it made no sense to get the biggest name and kill them in five seconds flat. Yeah. Because he's the biggest name in the film, arguably. Apart from Michael Fassbender. Yeah, apart from Fassbender. And kind of apart from Billy Crudup as well. Billy Crudup's actually... He's definitely well-known. If not, he's not got the same sensationalism to his name that Franco has. No. Uh, mainly because as far as I can tell, he's just a quiet, good guy who gets on with work. <laughs> Unlike Franco, who causes controversy after controversy. Yeah. Anyway, they lose their captain, and this means Billy Crudup's character becomes the standing captain. Yeah. And he is very unsure of himself. Yep. Um and is very paranoid that the crew don't respect him. While they're trying to make their repairs to the ship, Danny McBride's character picks up a distress beacon on his suit radio. Yeah. Which, when they decode it, they realise is a human voice singing the song Country Roads. Yeah. As in, Country Roads, take me home. One thing we never find out is, place. when was she singing that song? Because... What we find out about what happened to her later doesn't lend itself to her sitting at a computer singing country. Well, so, so you later on when they first go to the engineer ship yeah. from Prometheus, you see her recording the full version sitting there. Right. So clearly there was some time where she was trying to get that ship to fly again. Right. Gotcha. What? Yeah. Prior to. It's not particularly clear what happened between that point and what ends up actually happening. Well, there's a 10 year gap. She's crashed on that planet for 10 years, really, isn't she? Um, Then again, I guess maybe not 10 years because we don't know how long it took her to fly to that planet. Yeah. But my point is, uh, they end up picking up this distress beacon, they trace it to its planet of origin, and they actually scan this planet and go, hang on, this planet has got better a better likelihood of being habitable for humans than Oregon 7 where we're going. Yeah. Um and it's it'll only take us 2 weeks to get there whereas we've got another 7 years of travel yeah. to get to where they're going. So uh they decide to make a detour and uh, Daniels, which is Catherine Waterston's character, lodges a formal protest against this. She ain't down with changing the plan, nope. but she is overruled by Billy Crudup. And they touch down on what at first seems a very beautiful, lush planet with lots of ve- lots of vegetation it's got wheat on it. Wheat, water, waterfalls. Lots of there's lots of very good landscape cinematography in this. Yes, though it is. Uh, I have to add, it's not beautiful in terms of its color palette per se because it is it's doing a very standardized thing in modern film now they've desaturated it and given it a blue scale um so it's not vivid in terms of its color 
but it is. It, to be it's, fair, that wouldn't fit the tone, would it? No, no, I agree. But it's it's just I thought that would be interesting. So obviously, it's a weird, it's a lush planet, but it looks drab and rainy at all times. Yeah. Um, basically it's britain because it's always raining (laughs) they leave uh they leave some of their crew up above in the main ship Hmm. um they have three crew members up there don't they yeah and they the rest of them take like a a smaller it's like a shuttle thing shuttle Uh, they zip down to the planet uh whilst on this planet they a couple of their team members breathe in some spores yep which then grow xenomorph proto xenomorphs inside them so according to the trivia these ones are called neomorphs neomorphs um cool cool um i'm not fully clear on how these spores become neomorphs i'm guessing they just um, grow inside you when it takes an entire face hugger to get a xenomorph a d- different type of species, but even there's supposed to be a different species, but actually, they're very the, similar. They they're look just very similar. Yeah, they look very similar in terms of design. I think that was maybe a mistake. I think the neomorphs should have looked quite a bit different. Yeah. Uh, just because, yeah, it, it's a different form of, you know, because it's basically in order to release the spores, this guy treads on what look like egg shaped plants mm. that release these spores. The spores then fly around. They look like, you've seen it in multiple different films when they've got like nanobots mm. that travel through the air as if floating uh it that basically has that design goes in the guy's ear canal and digs into him and then obviously grows a thing inside his gut yeah but yeah it, it should have been a different a much more different design only because when the xenomorph turns up in this it's not from one of those spores no, no it's from the traditional way yeah so there's no reason that these spores whatever these spores were designed to be had to look anywhere near similar. Yeah. They could so, have done something to try and throw in a more unique concept, yeah. maybe. Um, a bunch of disasters ensue, and the crew of the Covenant are eventually rescued by David, the android who survived at the end of Prometheus, yep. who takes them to the ruins of a city of a long-dead alien race, which we later find out is the engineers from Prometheus. Yep. which is the best thing they could have done, is get rid of them, because they were boring as fuck. And... Basically, what we then get is an origin story for the Xenomorphs, yep. coupled with um, some philosophical deliberations by David and Walter, both yeah. played by Michael Fassbender. They um, question about... The, we'll come to it a little bit later, I think, maybe, yeah. but like the, the questions they have between um, morality, evolution... Basically, they're questioning each other, yeah. almost, as to, you know their role and and their role in comparison to each other as well as their role in comparison to humanity yes um and then the film does kind of devolve into more of a generic action thing for the ending which is a little bit of a shame yeah but anyway let's let's start breaking the film down then um this is another one i put on the list yeah i saw this in the cinema when it came out he pulled all these out of a hat at random and just so happened to get all of your choices first. i know i got like four of my choices in a row um because yeah we had armageddon which was mine then goodfellas which was you and then like the next four were all ones i put in yeah Uh, but then later on in the running order there's a bit where we've got like four of yours in a row as well so um i saw this in cinemas i remember liking it I remember thinking it was better than Prometheus, mm-hmm. better than Alien Resurrection. 
and either of the AVP movies. I haven't seen the AVP uh, movies. I've seen all the other Alien films. It's definitely better than AVP. <laughs> I've I've not heard good things about AVP. It's I've not, not even good had good, heard good things about the video game of AVP, let alone the blooming film. I used to have the video game on Xbox 360. Um, I've, I've I actually bought it because it's by Sega. Yeah, it was okay. Hmm. A bit buggy in some places, a bit boring in others. Like it's quite repetitive gameplay. Yeah, but they finally got that right with Alien Isolation, and they've just not made a sequel to it since, which is an absolute kick in the teeth. Well, maybe they feel like they can't pull the same trick twice. But then, they, they, some uh, yeah, or maybe the license got bought by someone else because it wasn't Sega that made Alien. Is it Fire Alien Team? Fire Elite. Team, which sucks apparently. Oh really? Apparently it sucks. I don't know. I haven't played it, but I just, that's I, a multiplayer online show. Yeah, which though, is why I haven't it? played it. It's not my jam. Which is the exact opposite of Alien Isolation. Yeah, basically that could that, not be more different. Yeah, but I think, but it, ironically, those kind of a simile to uh, Alien and Aliens. But the first Alien film was alone in space, mm. trying to survive a nightmarish horror like Alien Isolation is. And then Alien Fireteam is like aliens. Oh, big guns, fucking blow them all away. There's hundreds of us, guys. Oh, my God, they're overrunning us. It's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> We're just doing that again, are we? Jumping yeah. from horror to action. Um, which, as you say, with this film, kind of also tracks. It starts off a lot slower, a lot more paced, a lot more philosophical. Uh, and it keeps the philosophy longer into it than I expected. But yeah, it definitely ends on the action front rather than... Yeah. So I guess it tries to blend the tones yeah. of Alien and Aliens. Yeah, and um, only half succeeds, I think. Okay. Um, overall, though, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed it again on this second watch. Um, it's a pretty strong cast. Yeah. Um there's no bad there's, actors in it. Yeah, there's no one who stands out as a bad performer. Uh, Fassbender is kind of the centre of attention. Um, Understandable, he was in Prometheus as well. He was yeah. basically the main guy. Yeah, and he's multi-rolling here as well. Which helps. Um, it is a kick, for me personally, it is a kick in the teeth that Numi Rapace is not in this. Yeah, um, that's obviously, there's obviously production reasons behind that. You found out from the trivia, it's not necessarily the choice of her or the choice of Ridley Scott, maybe. Yeah, but... there, there are suggestions, not confirmed, mm. but there are suggestions by certain crew members that it was the studio didn't want her back yeah. for some As reason. As if she's the reason Prometheus didn't work. Yeah. Which it absolutely is not the case. Prometheus had many issues and Naomi Rapace was not the problem. Yeah, Numi. Numi, sorry. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, she's most well-known, I think, outside of Prometheus, for she is the original girl with the dragon tattoo Yep. Uh, in the Swedish version. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen the American remake. No, I haven't, I haven't seen either film. version. I need to get to watch yeah, it. I've read films. the books. The books are good. Yeah. The third one is a little bit plodding. Right. Uh, but there's been a couple more since. Uh, okay. Not by Stieg Larsson, because obviously he died. Right. Uh, he died before they came out. He oh, never damn. got to see how successful they were. Yeah, very sad. Um, a heart attack at a fairly young age, I think. Uh, only in his 40s, I think. And they just found these three novels in his trunk and were like, shit, this dude wrote three full novels and they're actually pretty good. Wow. Let's let's publish them. Um, <laughs> very sad. Anyway, um, so for me, the first standout part of this film, for me, where, where the film, where I felt gripped by it, is... The I guess you'd call it the first big action sequence of the film, or I although I prefer to call it a 
tension sequence or a panic sequence is when the first crew member has been infected and they take him to the med bay. Right, and, I say yes. So we've already of, landed on. It's actually called LVH. It's yeah. kind of a homage to LV, whatever it was mm. in um, Aliens. LV four two six, I think. I think it's four two six. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so they've already landed. They've already done. You know, this is, must be about what forty five minutes, maybe an hour in. Maybe because they've already because before this point I'll they have the. The, the damage on the ship. This film does pace, though. The, yeah, it didn't feel that long. It didn't long. feel long. It didn't feel an hour in. it must in. be I was, about I was an hour say in. half an hour. Yeah, no, I think it must be about 45 minutes to an hour wow. in. Um, um, but yeah, it's... So they've already landed. They've done some looking around the planet. They haven't seen anything except for plant life and stuff. Mm. And then, yeah, they've gotten infected from the spores. Yeah. And uh, one of the ladies... Unfortunately, I didn't get this character's name. No. Uh, but she's Billy Crudup's wife in the film oh right yes yeah. yes she brings him back to the med bay on the shuttle yeah and while they're taking his shirt off to examine him a pair of whacking great big spikes come out of his back yeah so he's coming unlike the alien from alien which comes out the chest this is coming, coming out, out the back spine. um and his spine is like bulging out against his skin it's very very nice body horror mm. and the girl who piloted the shuttle panics despite the fact she's got blood on her face she locks the other girl in and says she's quarantined it's like love you're the one who's quarantined you've got toxic blood all over you but okay whatever um she starts to panic and this whole sequence is incredibly well directed i think and incredibly well shot you really feel, just from the camera movements alone, let alone the music and the performances, from the camera style changing, you feel the urgency of the scene. Yes. Everything up to now has been measured, stable, yeah, um, flowed in a cinematic way. It's very well... It, the, the changeover is brilliantly com- like, yeah. done. Because, and I even remember in yeah. the cinema feeling like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, it's like, urgency. oh, shit just got real. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. oh, no. And I remember feeling that you've got to let her out. You've got to let her out or else it's going to get her. Yeah. In the Yeah, in you, the you, you drive with it. Yeah. You absolutely drive with it. Um, she comes back in with a gun and uh, attempts to kill the Neomorph baby yep. uh, unsuccessfully. Is chased out, so it kills Billy Crudup's wife. Mm. Uh, chases her out into the main cargo hall, where she is essentially shooting wildly, trying to kill it, and not doing a very good job. She does hit a little bit. I think it's, she clips it once, doesn't yeah. she? It's kind of the the one. We'll get to the downsides, I suppose, properly in a bit. But it it seems a little bit random as to how much bullets affect these aliens during mm. this film. That's something of a negative. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be any consistency. To whether or not bullets and things like that actually do much damage. Yeah, I feel like that's probably that's probably a problem the whole franchise has had. I think because if you mm. go and look at um, even aliens, some of them will take round after round after round, and someone just take a nice good shot to the head, and the heads will explode. Mm. Yeah. Um, but basically, but not Alien or Alien Three because of no guns. Yeah, and it's better when there's not. To yeah, be honest, I agree. Um, but the gun proves to be her undoing because she hits what I'm guessing are the fuel tanks or something. Yeah, something like that. For the shuttle it and causes it to blow. Yeah. Um, meaning she's dead, the neomorph's dead, and Billy Crudup's wife's dead. Billy Crudup collapses to the floor. Um, 
basically unable to lead from this point on because he's just devastated. Yeah, because it was his wife. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, the second gentleman who is infected collapses, <laughs> uh, and he also spawns a neomorph, this time out of his throat. Yeah, so uh, it's, it, it, that's another thing that's inconsistent, because these two are infected by the same thing, mm. and yet they birth their neomorphs differently. Yeah. One jumps out, pulls out the back, the other, he basically vomits it up. Yeah, it comes up the throat. Um, did you notice, though, practical effect? Yeah. You can... I mean, you can tell which sucks, but it is clearly a moulded dummy head that they've made. Mm. Uh, they obviously casted the guy's, the actor's face, um, and you, you see the changeover when he's in their arms, and there's an angle where you can tell, because his face isn't actually moving. It's just right. pulled in one contorted expression of pain. Yeah. And you see the neck start to bulge. Right. Uh, yeah, that yeah. is a practical effect. I appreciate it. I'm here for yeah. it. What they could have done to improve that a little bit would be to have done what they did, and then uh, done like a face map. What's it called? When they map someone else's face to someone's face. Photogrammetry. No, 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 no. Like when you say I was to put Tom Cruise's face over my composite. Mine. Yeah. Are you on about deep faking? Deep faking. But they could have deep faked his face over the dummy face. Yeah. To give it some animation. That might have been interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, as a way to improve the, 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 like remove some of the dumminess look of yeah. the head. Uh, but other than that, yeah, you're right. The practical way is better than doing CGI for shit like that. Yeah. Um, I noticed a slight error here. Well, mm-hmm. I guess it's not an error. But so they're attacked by that neomorph. But a second neomorph turns up. So we've got one neomorph birthed from the first guy, and that one's dead. It gets blown up. You'd imagine that died in the flames, yeah. yeah. Then the one that comes out of his throat attacks him, but then a second one turns up. Now, to be fair, no, is it not the same one? No, they say it's another one. Right. Um, now, to be fair, it's a big planet. There could be more. There of could them. be more of them wandering around. Um, or are we supposed to believe that the one that was in the fire somehow survived? I don't Seems know. Seems unlikely. Because you would have thought it would have reached Billy Crudup on the beach first, if yeah. it was the one from the flame. Yeah, th- but I then think... again, we saw one survive a jet engine later on in the film. But so. it was a little bit more grown, and that was the xenomorph itself. Yeah. Not the not these neomorphs. neomorphs. The neomorph, yeah, the neomorphs are kind of odd in that we don't really find out where the other one's from. I assume, actually, if it is a neomorph, uh, and it's not the one from the ship... That it's, we find out later that the um, engineers, it's like the planet of the engineers, all their people died birthing a lot of these things against their will. Obviously, they were infected by David in mass. Uh, so it could be one of theirs, but then yeah. it doesn't explain why for the whole time they were on the planet, they literally came up against zero of these things. Yeah. If there was hundreds of thousands of them made in that one event, yeah. where did they all go that we've only seen yeah. two? Again, big planet, maybe they're all fucked off somewhere else to look for food, but it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a, a, an oddity, to yeah. say the least. But um, they're rescued then by, obviously, David, and this is where David enters the film. Yes, and now he doesn't kill the creature, he sends up a flare, um, and it runs away from the light. Yeah. Um, so the film kind of changes tone here, with David being introduced, I think. Yes. Um... In some ways for better, in some ways not for worse necessarily, but the transition isn't as seamless as you would hope. Well, first it, of all, they, they're on this planet and there's nothing on it. And it's like, oh, it's basically like a proto-Earth almost. 
And then they Another followed Another Earth da- almost. Yes. And then they followed David. Yeah. And he's like, it's just through here. And it's like a massive city. And none of them yeah. sit there and I'm like, this wasn't visible for some reason yeah. on our scale. We've literally like, just flown in over all this land. Yeah, and been like, oh, it's this. like a proto-Earth. And there's not, it's, a, it's a monstrous mega city. Yeah. And you're like, what? Filled with the broken remains of these engineers. Yeah. Kind of, that imagery reminded me of Pompeii. See, that for me, that imagery was more like, I, I wanted it that shot, those shots to be more colourful or a bit more red. Because mm. I, I was like, that... That looks like it should be your fucking heavy metal album cover from the 80s. That's what that looks like. Like a Man of War cover or something. Yeah. Or Slayer. Yes. Yes. I was like, Mega I want death. To, yeah. Or, or if you're into gaming, the first uh, cover of Doom. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that is what I want. Like, that's, that's my heavy metal cover right there. Yeah. Um, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Um, so... What we now get is the film decides to ruminate on the idea of creation. So we yeah. see a lot of Fassbender acting with himself. And He's playing with himself. <laughs> he, he, uh, David, I've got to make sure I keep the androids the right order. Yeah. David is teaching Walter uh, how to play the flute. And this is where we get told that the Walter model is more machine than the other one was. Yes. Because the other one was too human, it was creeping people out. So they don't have the ability to create. And David says this is because humans are afraid to give AI the ability to create. Yeah. And he teaches him to play the flute in a scene that, as we uh, you said while we were watching it, is incredibly well done. Uh, yeah. Not only from an acting point of view, but from a composition point of view, you can't... It's not just a shot-reverse shot where they're clearly swapping Michael Fassbender each time yeah. with a it's body like double. one unbroken shot going back and, and forth, forth between them. And you, I couldn't tell the seam. I was like, how, like, I, I know, obviously, it's visual effects. It's, there's not two Michael Fassbenders, but it genuinely looks like there's two of them in the one shot. Yeah. It's brilliantly done. And they're crossing over each other all the time. It's not like they've, you know, not like the old films where you could see the, if you're careful, you could go, right, well, there's a join in the middle, which you can't see. And they just acted the scene twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's really well done. There's certain points where I'm like, the only thing I can think of is that they did, um, that deep faking over a, an extra as mm-hmm. one of the Davids, but it must have crisscrossed well, from time to time cre- as to which as to which as to which yeah. of the fastbenders was real and which one was not. Um, there is a fastbender double credited in the credits. I noticed. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, obviously, there's other scenes that, like later on, Walter and David fight. Yeah. Um, that obviously one of them is the du- whoever's not facing the camera is obviously yeah. a double at that point. Fight. Um, but yeah, now I I liked a lot of the set design here as well. Yeah. Um, it's the astute observers amongst you will of course be thinking, well, if him and Elizabeth Shaw have been here, how have they survived in this dead city for 10 years? Elizabeth Shaw hasn't. Yep. Uh, and he tells us that she died. 
And here we get our first clue. And I like this. This is an element of the film I really like. Is the multiple offers of... The multiple suggestions for why David is evil. Yeah. So there is obviously the idea that he's just a super advanced AI that is questioning his own origins. Questioning his place in the universe. And he's kind of looking at humans and being like... Not Why do you? <laughs> yeah, like I'm disappointed in the fact you're my creator. The idea, yeah. the whole idea behind both Prometheus and this film is what if humanity found our creator and were disappointed by the answer? Yeah, like, and I, if, that's a really interesting theme. Yeah, what, it's an interesting theme in Prometheus as well, though it is done a lot better in this film. Yeah, like what if we met God and he was just a fat slob? Um, <laughs> what if god was me <laughs> well it's like that bit where it's like what if god was one of us yeah Just that's a meant slob to... like one of us no, weirdly enough i think that song is meant to inspire like oh yes me and god like the same and it's not meant whereas in this it's like what if he's just a prick like me fuck off yeah that would be disappointing yeah and david and that's very feels, much the theme of this film yeah and david feels he is superior to us yes and that humans like the greatest thing they'll ever achieve is his creation yeah and he yearns to create for himself what we get here however and again the more astute amongst you will notice this before it's called out in the film is he goes out and quotes ozymandias mm. Um, the famous passage from the poem and credits it to Byron. Yes. And David, as Walter does sort of react a little bit, but anyone who knows their literature will know that that is incorrect. Yep. And Shelley actually wrote that. Yep. Um, and what we get the suggestion a little bit later on from now is that it could actually not be that David is this amazing AI that's super intelligent. It could just be that he's malfunctioning. Yeah. He's a robot that is malfunctioning, and where one node has malfunctioned, now multiple nodes are going down. Yeah, that, and the, the suggestion of that by Walter is beautiful because it comes off the uh, flute playing earlier in the film. And uh, he says, you know, if one note is wrong, then the whole orchestra could be... Eventually, you know, eventually. the whole orchestra is destroyed. Yeah, and it's it's... Yeah, it could be that. So you could add the suggestion that David is evolving, or you could add the suggestion that David is faulty. Yeah. Um, and both equally ring true, um, because depending on your perspective. And I well, thought that was I thought that was really clever. Actually, so, I, I really yeah. enjoyed that idea. So I then think something that reinforces that idea is we then see David. Oh, by the way, sorry. There's uh, something interesting about Shelley because he calls him out that. He, uh, Walter eventually calls out David for mm. misquoting Shelley as Byron. Yeah. The Shelley that he mentions is the husband of Mary Shelley who wrote Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, which is ironically very much a big part of the David character in yeah. this. He is the Frankenstein. They um, famously all went to a villa in Italy together, which is where she wrote Frankenstein. Nice. And I think Percy Shelley wrote a vampire story, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I believe it was Byron, Shelley and Shelley, and Polidori, John Polidori, I think. Right. Um, and they did an episode of Doctor Who where the Doctor goes there. Um, it's one of the only good 13th Doctor episodes <laughs> where they go there and they have their competition to write a horror story, which they did in real life. And then a Cyberman turns up 
and but it's like a half converted Cyberman, right? And it turns out that was the inspiration for Frankenstein. <laughs> yes, um, it's one of the only good episodes of the Thirteenth Doctor, in my opinion. <laughs> anyway, that's enough Doctor Who talk. Um, yeah, um, what was I going to say? Yes, another suggestion you get that he's actually faulty is despite hating humanity and openly stating that fact, uh, I believe the exact phrase he uses is, they're a dying species desperately grasping for redemption or resurrection, yeah. and I'm going to make sure they don't get it. Yes. Um, despite having said that, he tries twice in this film to initiate a romantic connection. Yeah, so he tries once with Walter. Yeah, which is clearly him masturbating his ego, basically. Yeah, Walter doesn't respond because Walter as an, is more robotic and he's, he just doesn't understand the premise. Mm. Though uh, it is suggested that um, Walter loves Daniels, the, the main female character. Of well, I, I think that's... I, I interpreted that as... That is because he says to Walter, "You care for." I he goes, "I cared for Shaw, as as you. I loved Shaw as oh. you love Daniels." Yeah, and Walter's like, "I don't know what you mean. You're mistaken." And he's like, "You know, you love her." And he's like, "We are not capable of love." And I felt, I feel like that's one of the things that drives, uh, David more insane. Yeah, because this is been told he's got a limitation. Yeah, well, it's a being that is supposedly more advanced than he is because it's a later model. Yeah, that has this limitation, which means he must also have this limitation. But he has convinced himself that either through fault or ego that he can feel because what's so great about David as a character is he's not just an egotistical villain who is arrogant. He also hates himself. Right. He both... What's so great about David, if you pay attention to the subtext, is he both wants desperately to be human and he's also hateful of humans because they're not perfect. Yeah, he's after a human connection, but he hates the humans... Yeah, or which is why yeah. he desperately because he then tries kissing Daniels, doesn't he? He does. Um, which I forgot, I completely forgotten that happened in this film. Yeah, because um, it's not really a big moment as such. No, uh, in the grand scheme of the film. Yeah, um, so it's a quite a rapey moment though. Yeah, he's, he's, he's on top himself of on top yeah. of her. Um, and the 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 suggestion I got at least was he doesn't feel anything when he does it. Because both, both times he kisses them, they don't react. Well, Walter doesn't react at all, and Daniels is trying to get away from it. Yeah, Daniels is not appreciative. But the, the <laughs> Surprise! Way, yeah, the way he pulls back, and the look on his face, it's almost... Uh, I should have felt something from this. Oh, what's the big deal, sort of thing, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think that's what draws people to the David character. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Prometheus except for the very first time I saw it because it did feel weird to me, a little jarring. And that, I can't remember how Prometheus ends, to be fair. But it did feel a little jarring to me that we see in a flashback that there was no build-up to David doing what he did, killing Shaw and, um, and, and killing the engineers. He literally does it as soon as they arrive on the planet. Yeah. And I don't remember ending Prometheus with him being super evil. He... No, uh, I thought so he was, he, like, questioning. 
so he, I pretty, if I remember correctly, in Prometheus, he is responsible for, yes, no. So, um, Numi replaces character Shaw. Um, she has a partner. Yeah. In Prometheus, who gets infected? He gets infected he? by David. Oh, does he? Yes. David purposely infects him. I see. Okay. So, because he's actually, he, he finds out about this species, and is intrigued by it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty certain David actually starts the impregnation thing, so it's natural that he's doing it still, mm. though it still seems a bit off that he arrives on this engineer planet, just like, and kill everyone, done. Yeah. Great. Um, what I would say is the David character is incredibly interesting. The dialogues between him and Walter are fascinating. Mm. Uh, the question of his evolution versus his madness versus his failings, um, because surely a machine designed by humans must have the same flaws humans have. Yes, and the, the, one of the so all in all of that respect, he's probably one of the best things in it, one of the most interesting mm. elements of it, one of the best facets of the story. But there is one major flaw in the writing that is never actually, unless we just go with the fact that he's faulty. That's the only way that you could pay it off without needing to explain it some way else. Mm. Um, his whole modus operandi is I want to, you know, use these new species and create these new bioweapons, as it were, to create a superior race of some kind because he is superior to humans. Humans are an inferior race that are struggling. I, I just want to replace them. And here is a species that could potentially do it. But in everything that he says, all the things that he loves, that he quotes that he loves, such as... Um, fiction such as poetry such as music all of those things are generated by humans and basically by humans alone yeah, as far as our known universe is concerned the xenomorphs are incapable of art yeah so that and the neomorphs have no art uh there's oh, it's never shown or intelligence or ability to communicate yeah. there is one moment where it's almost considered that he thinks he's getting a connection with yeah. one but it may just be standing still in front of him because he's not worth eating or impregnating. Is this the little baby one? It was the or little the ba big one. It was the big one. Because the baby one, I, my interpretation of the baby one was it's imprinting on him. You know, like ducks do when they first. But hatch. that's not that's not a neomorph. That's a xenomorph. That is a xenomorph. That's the right. xenomorph imp that imprints on him but with its little baby limbs. Like he basically makes it do a T pose and things like that in imitation of him. That's later. But the neomorph, he there's a bit. So he offers them solace in this abandoned thing. And he goes, oh, nothing will get you here. It's perfectly safe, I assure you. Lying through his bare teeth. Uh, the Neomorph comes back. He's grown fucking huge. Kills cup a couple of the others. And then uh, the captain sees him, or the new captain, um, what's his name? Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup. Finds him having a one-on-one -on -one with this alien species. And I... You, uh, you can breathe on it and it'll understand and all this sort of stuff and it's just kind of well, it's got no eyes but it's kind of like looking right at him and not attacking him and he's like I'm making a connection now the truth is he's not worth eating and he's an got, android and he's not worth impre like impregnating because he's an android yeah. so it could be that's just standing there because I've got fuck all to do yeah. but he's 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 imposing his ideals on this thing that it loves me or it understands me or it, you know there's an which is intelligence what humans do when they create androids yeah so we assume they'll be just like us yes or, or and they'll have you know it, we'll create this robot it will love me it'll empathize with me because i empathize with it which 
if you want to get really sinister and really deep, is what a lot of parents do with their children. Yeah, yeah. This child, a, a lot of parents have children with the idea that they'll mould them to be exactly like them. Yeah. So that, which is they, why, in yeah. a way, it's like achieving immortality. In a way, you you live on because your kid is exactly the same as you. Yeah. And then you get these. Obviously, I'm not saying this is every parent, by no, the no, way. No, no. But um, that, I think that's why there's often, whenever there's change, like uh, homosexuality was a big part of it. Now, trans things like that. If if your child is not doing your lineage correctly, if you're one of those parents that has imprinted onto the children in that way you know my name is john and i've had this child and this child will be like me we're like football we're proper like beer bloke, yeah. yeah proper blokey bloke and it's like he starts playing with dolls or you know or he's or artistic make, or... he's artistic or he tries to change gender or he likes men it's like well that's that's weird that's not what you're supposed to do because yeah. that's not what i do so you're right there is that imprinting and it's, it's been hugely influential in uh, and in a negative way, mostly throughout our history as as a species, then it's interesting that David would therefore be doing the same thing, mm. uh, which, which comes would... back to what I said about a mach- any life form, any machine designed by humans must inherently have the same flaws that humans have. Yes, i.e., ego, pride, and a weird drive for self-preservation. Yes. So, it, and it's it's fascinating that David shows those things, and mm. I. I on the surface, there's and there's two reads of that. Because he's after this more intelligent, more, you know, intellectual, the beauty of life. But the thing he's creating is the polar opposite of that. And not just in terms of beauty, because beauty is subjective, but it's not going to be fucking telling him any poetry. It's, you know, Xenomorph is sitting there going, I've just been waxing lyrical, David. I've been thinking about uh, life and the perception of madness. You know, yeah. it's it's not going to be bothering with that shit. It's not what it's for. Yeah. And the fact that he would consider that superior enough over humanity, even yeah. though everything he treasures is human. Yeah. Um, so the only way that really scans for me is if we just consider that he is faulty, but refuses to yeah. see it. So I think there's an alternate reading. Okay. Which is, if you have, you have to remember that there is still a hundred years of timeline between where Covenant ends and where the first alien begins. Yeah. So it's perfectly possible to assume that even the Xenomorph we see in this is not the final perfect form of the Xenomorph. But they're not that intelligent or anything like that later. To be fair. But repeatedly in in Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and even Alien Resurrection, repeatedly aliens, the Xenomorphs, are referred to as the perfect life form. Because mm. they they can adapt to anything, they can survive almost anything. As we see in the first Alien, it's incredibly hard to kill it. Yeah, it literally survives getting blown into space yeah. and crawls back onto her shuttle, doesn't it? Yes, that's um, true. They adapt because, as we see in the later films, they they come out slightly differently based on which host they're put in. Yeah. Oh, actually, um, to be fair, there is also the hint of intelligence fleetingly at times but in aliens when they used events and stuff like that well uh, yeah but there's also aliens with the queen the point where she comes to attack her and she like and ripley puts the flamethrower towards the eggs mm. in order to get her away from you and she gives newt back yeah that she's like okay don't burn my children have your child back 
There is an understanding there from the Queen, which then Ripley fucking betrays and burns the eggs. Now, I understand why Ripley does that, but I can understand the anger from the Queen. So I gave you your fucking child. And (laughs) I know you haven't seen it. But but Alien Resurrection as well, the white alien at the end, the one that's made of... The human hybrid. Yeah, has that intelligent... Yeah connection it has the ability to recognize and and care mm. i think for ripley as its mother and in alien versus predator uh when the alien queen is first introduced in alien versus predator she is frozen in like um bonds like chains and things like that right and the xenomorphs to free her strategically cut her so that her acid blood will melt away the bonds they don't cut themselves no or do they cut themselves? For the Queen, you'd imagine you'd cut yourself. It's been a very long time since I saw AVP. Sure. Uh, but my point is, um, technically we could argue this definitely isn't the final perfect form of the Xenomorph because there's no Queen yet. That's true. That's um, true. He's creating the eggs somehow. He doesn't explain how he's creating the Queen. The yeah, eggs, but... which is a little bit of a plot hole, actually, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this film ends with him on the ship full of plenty of test subjects yes. with two facehugger embryos. Ridley Scott has claimed whether or not financial success allows them to do it. Ridley Scott has said there is at least one more prequel film to come. Yeah, it's between Covenant. It's supposed to be a trilogy, wasn't it? Yeah, between Covenant and Alien, the original. Yep. Um, what that film could be, not necessarily, this is me taking a leap, could be David coming to the realisation that actually intelligence is an imperfection and a true perfect life form is actually more darwinian than that right and it's more about what's the perfect hunter what Mm. can kill anything can hide can survive almost anything and then shifting his research that way, oh, or they might, or they might just say we're not doing him at all in the next one. <laughs> That'd be a shame because I think there's more to the David storyline. I, I think he needs to die. Yeah, I but mean, I'd you, love to you, see that story play out you, in an intelligent yeah. fashion. You, you kind of have to hurry up and do it before Fassbender gets much older. Yeah, realistically. Yeah. Although I think fans would probably, because it's not like he's old. No, I think uh, fans would suspend their disbelief. Plus, if he looks a little different if, if they shoot it another ten, twenty, whatever amount of years in the future to pitch the gap between Alien Covenant and Alien, mm. they probably accept that he's gotten older and therefore the android itself will look older. Because yeah. he looks older between Prometheus and Alien Covenant. To be fair, his hair grew, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So clearly he's got... He's got the ability to regenerate certain elements of himself. Yeah. Um, something that I... Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. Um, it's only a theory. It could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. We obviously don't know where this hypothetical third film might go. Yeah, there's there's plenty of places it could go. I had something I was going to say, but I can't remember it now. My bad. No, 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 it's not your bad. You were talking. Um, you'll come back to me. So, we get to... First of all, I've got to ask you if you were convinced, because I wasn't. They try and pull a bait and switch, where Walter and David fight... And yes. one of them survives, but we don't know which one. Now, the fight we, itself we, was very well done. Yeah, the fight was great. But were you for one minute convinced it was Walter? No. Because I wasn't. No, I, I, as soon as I went... Even before that point, there was... So, when we first see David, yeah. he's got longer blonde hair. Yeah. And then... And Walter has short brown hair. Yeah. Uh, Walt, David sees Walter. He has a couple of scenes with him. And then we see... 
David cutting his hair short. And then when we next see him, he's got it short and brown. Yeah, and the match. minute that happened, I was like, he's going to swap with water. Straight away, it was like, there's no reason you'd make their hairstyles the same unless they were, you were going to do a bait and switch. Yeah. So... And the fact that um, David has never had brown hair, he was blonde in Prometheus as well. So it's like the the only reason for him to dye his hair is to match Walter. The thing that surprised me was, because Walter's obviously missing a hand, isn't he? Yes. I thought the way that it was going to get revealed, because obviously David then has to take his hand off to mimic him, I thought they were going to be like, hang on. That's the wrong hand. <laughs> I thought they were going to go that cheesy with it, but they don't. Uh, Both, they actually do it by it's a callback that he doesn't understand because he obviously wasn't yes, there. Something, the... Yeah, something that um, Daniel says to... Uh, and actually, that ending was really well done. I don't know if some people won't like the ending because it's a, it's a downer ending. Basically, mm. David wins. So they're all fucked. Yeah. Um, but it's but, a prequel to Alien. It kind of has to be because in Alien, the humans don't know about xenomorphs. Yes. There's so there's multiple reasons. That's one of them. The other one as well is even when a Alien film ends on a positive, quote unquote, positive ending. Mm. So, uh, for example, Ripley survives the first Alien film. She come in the second one. She finds out that they're going to try and take more and weaponize the xenomorphs. So she has to go back and get fucked over by loads more of them. At the end of Aliens, she, Hicks, and Newt survive, and then that both Newt and Hicks are like killed off screen yeah. prior to the events of Alien Three. So only she and she's not even survived because she's carrying the new queen. Yeah, and then she dies at the end of the film. And then Alien Resurrection, she's oh, been brought back. She sees all the the less said about Alien Resurrection, yeah, the better. But she sees all the mutated forms of herself that she murders. At the end, they kill uh, the child of, of hers, the white they kill alien. Her baby, yeah. yeah, and I don't remember if she survives or not. But most of them die anyway. And it's like, well, like Alien doesn't tend to have positive endings. Yeah. It's not. A franchise where you get that heartwarming and then they all went home. The, the big disappointment I hear from most fans of Alien who... Because this was kind of a split... Although critically it was well received, it was kind of it was split, split with Alien fans. Yeah. Uh, the big criticism I hear is a lot of people thought the Xenomorphs were going to have a grander backstory. Yeah. I don't know why. There's nothing in the franchise that hints at that. To be honest, my personal choice would be to never give them a backstory. I don't see why it's necessary. They're much scarier when you don't know where they've come from. Yeah, and the fact um, is... Th- as most horror villains are, yeah. they're scarier the less you know about them. But the other thing as well is, like, even... like I, I'm, I will say this straight off. I really enjoyed this film. And I, I didn't mind the backstory they gave the aliens. I thought it was an enjoyable and well-thought-out movie for the most yeah. part. But... These sorts of creatures evolve naturally anyway. They evolve this way on Earth. These creatures aren't invented for this film. You know, there is a wasp in South America that does the alien chestburster thing. Mm. It injects uh, it injects certain animals like uh, cockroaches and stuff like that with its embryo, flies off, and the thing stays alive but in a sort of a zombified state, right, yeah. while the creature inside Gross. it grows and eats its way out of the creature. Because the problem with uh, the meat of things like cockroaches, when it dies, it goes off very quickly. So the best way to make sure it don't go off is that it stays alive while the thing's growing inside it. Yeah. So 
the idea of Alien is not unique to the Alien franchise. It's based on a real thing that happens naturally on Earth yeah. every single day. And you'd be hard pushed to come up with something that hasn't happened in some way, shape or form on Earth before because there's a lot of different bugs and alien-like things out there in our own, within the substrata of our own planet. Yeah. So... Do we really need to know that an android we built created an alien species that would eventually then come back and re- use us as its host? I think what it I could have evolved yeah. naturally on some alien I, planet. I think the only thing I don't like about it, and not enough that it puts me off the film, no, no, it but it makes off. the universe small. Like you said, the xenomorphs are now indirectly created by humans. Yeah, and and that's just a bit like in the whole vast universe. Yeah, humanity You're, did everything. Yeah, still. the first thing we come across is something we invented. That being said, though, actually, hmm, I mean, an interesting direction potentially for a, a third Alien prequel, the sequel to this, would be the fact that maybe the universe is just that small in the grander scheme. In that, bear in mind that the uh, the engineers are supposedly the things that created us mm. by dropping in. We see it in. Prometheus, they drop their DNA into proto-Earth's oceans, mm. and it creates all the life that we now see. Um, so we've got that element to it already, and the engineers were on this planet. There was an engineer in Alien 1, the first yeah, one. The space jockey. Yeah, the big space jockey, even though it's much bigger than any of the fucking engineers we see in uh, Prometheus or this. The so there is the idea that it's quite small in that the engineers are basically in charge of creating life everywhere. The question being who created them maybe, but that's going down another end of the rabbit hole. Mm. Uh, everything is created from something else that's interconnected. So the, the engineers have come first. We've seen to, by this point, because as far as we're aware, that all the engineers are now dead. Humanity has outlived the engineers. Mm. And then the idea from David would be that his we'll species outlive. would outlive the hum- humans. Yeah. And then the Xenomorphs might be part of that. Um, I'll just remember what I was going to say earlier as well. Uh, you were su- talking about the survival of the fittest being uh, potentially more... Uh, not Dickensian. <laughs> Darwinian. Darwinian. Dickensian would be very different. Uh, that's probably very true in, like, most people, when they think of evolution, they think of everything trying to, em- like, eventually evolve into us. Uh, people who aren't, I'm not talking about scientists here, I'm talking about general public. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't understand, like, you know, a slug is as advanced and evolved as us, as far as evolutionary is concerned. Yeah. It's, it survives, it's continuing, thus it's a success on the same level. Yeah. You know, intelligence-wise, obviously, we've got a way bigger upper hand. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of evolution, we equal. You know, it's not less evolved than us. Yeah. Uh, and, actually, we are not the most adaptable. But we adapt environments to suit us, which is, which is something that's kept us around. Otherwise, we'd pretty much be fucked because yeah. we are weak in almost every other capacity as a species. Yeah. Um, Whereas something, the, the thing that would survive the most usually is things like cockroaches. Yeah. And I actually watched a documentary on Channel 4 about 20 odd years ago on scorpions. Mm. I tell you what, they will outlive us no matter what the fuck happens. Yeah. Because uh, in this, and it's probably cruelty to animals. I'm definitely cruelty to animals. Because they're, they're like, doing this. get over here. 
<laughs> well, they come from hell. Uh, no, that's Mortal Kombat. Um, basically, the uh, what they did in this, and it's definitely animal cruelty. Uh, they basically took this one scorpion. All of this they did to one scorpion. No one, this thing is incredibly strong, and it will. It's resilient. So they baked it right. in an oven to, I think it was, uh, well, they said 200 degrees. I imagine that must be Fahrenheit, but that's more than enough to kill a human. Yeah. They take it out. It's burned. It's not happy, understandably. It's still fine. Then, uh, right, now we're going to freeze it. So they stick it in a block of ice. And yeah. I don't mean to just place it on one. I mean, they literally freeze it in ice. And they leave it there for 24 hours. And then they break it out of the ice with a hammer. Don't warm it up with even <laughs> not not even a hairdryer in sight. Just hammers. Just hammer the shit out yeah. to get this thing up. And then eventually it reanimates because it has the ability to put itself into a stasis. Yeah. Which humans can't. If you freeze a human, we die. Because the water in our bodies will explode. Yeah. Or implode. I can't remember which one. It, but um, it explodes your cells. That's it. So we die. Because it crystallizes and bursts them. Yeah. Whereas, it, and it probably will do that eventually to a scorpion, but for a certain period of time at least, they can be frozen. Is that because they're hard exoskeleton? Probably. Um, I, I don't remember. Again, this is 20 years ago that I'm remembering, but they smash it out of this thing with a hammer. After a little while, it reanimates and it's okay. It's probably not happy, <laughs> but it's okay. And then they put it in a microwave or something like that. Not a microwave. <laughs> Ding, ready and done. Uh, no, they put it in something like that. Blast it with radiation. Yeah, and they they blast it with I think it was three hundred rads of radiation, something like that. Uh, I'm probably getting the numbers a little bit finicky, but they blast it with enough rads that would easily kill a human ten times over. Yeah. Then after you know they've come it and put it out, it's still fine. And it's like, I'm sorry, but. If an asteroid hits the fucking planet, if the rate, if the the planet gets too hot, if it gets too cold, if the fucking oceans come for us, if it, no matter what it is, nuclear fallout, mm. the scorpions are going to outlive us. Well, the simpler a life, the simpler a life form is, the the more chance there is of its survivability. Yep. Look at the the only creatures that have survived from prehistoric times to now are insects and fungus and fungus. Yeah, yeah. single cell organisms. Yes. Um. Uh, what they called? They've got the little that they call them not water bears, but that's oh uh, tardigrades. Tardigrades, and they can survive yeah. in space. Yeah, tardigrades are insane, and aren't they? Don't tardigrades are they the ones that live all over you as well? Like, yeah, you're, they're, they're, they're everywhere. All, yeah, <sighs> they're really weird. There's also, did you know amoebas can kill you? Yeah, yeah. There's a t certain type of water amoeba that if you swim in the waters with it, it can get in through your ear and it starts to eat your brain. Yeah. Because that's it's the right sort of matter that it likes to consume, and it just eats through your brain, and yeah. you cannot be saved. Yeah, this planet is full of some gross shit. Yeah, and we're sitting here going, yeah, well, humanity must have created the alien because of the type of advanced species. It's like, no, fuck off. We've got a single-celled organism that swims in your ear and eats your brain. Yeah. And that is right here on this bloody planet. You don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. It's... <laughs> They're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the the final act of the film. Sure. This is where it goes action heavy. So the, so the, yeah. the platform, the flying platform, and then the yeah. second xenomorph that turns up in the shower and they end up kicking it out the cargo hold like the tyrant in Code Veronica. Yes. 
what do you think of this section? Does the film... Were you a little disappointed that it went into a more action, generic way? Yes and no. No, because I expected it. Um, because it being a modern sci-fi, um, I, unfortunately, it was never going to try and do a 2001 A Space Odyssey or anything like that where it tries to keep it cerebral. Um, it's just not the type of era for that sort of movie anymore. At least not right now. Um, and also, it to be fair, like people may have, I, I've heard that people may have had problems with it because it goes into action mode. But and it is it is obviously more action heavy than what I'm about to reference. But it's not too dissimilar to the ending of the original Alien, where after surviving on the Nostromo and escaping on the ship with the cat, and she's in the shuttle, the bloody Xenomorph is on there and she has to find a way to kick out. Now, that is done, that is not as action heavy. No, it's more of a standoff, isn't it? Because she's like standing there and it's, yeah, that's great at the end of Alien when it's in the pipes and you don't know. You can't see it, but you can't see it in front of your face. Yeah, and then it moves and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, that Um, was brilliant. And, but so I think it was what we would consider a more modern take on that. Yeah. Crossing that over with a lot more action flair. Yeah, I am um, impaling it on a bulldozer. Yeah, I I don't mind the action of this. I I think there's a certain amount of it that didn't make sense. Number one, the Xenomorphs uh, tend to be uh, fucked up by fire, which is why the flamethrower thing was a good idea. And it's why that works in the first film and also in Aliens. You know, the, it's scared of fire. Yeah. And yet in this, the Xenomorph walks straight through a thruster burning through it and just goes eh, it's a bit bluey and yeah. you're like eh, really it's a bit balmy in here yeah it's like that's gonna be hotter than our flamethrower yeah. it's a fire thruster fuel, yeah. To, yeah to fucking lift an entire spaceship I say jet fuel it's rocket fuel rocket fuel and it's just like eh, it's only rocket fuel oh not the flamethrower you're like what that doesn't make any sense. I did like the idea of defeating it with the mechanical arm on the crane. Yeah. That was a cool little... Cause it, that, and also that the teeth on the crane looked a bit like the inner teeth of the Xenomorph yeah. that come out in its second and jaws. They, and they factored in that throwing that crane around would destabilise the platform yeah, as well. which was really cool. Um, there was it, it wasn't badly done. Uh, I can understand why people were maybe a bit disappointed in it being an action finale to what had otherwise been a relatively more cerebral yeah. affair. But actually, not only was it not badly done, apart from the couple of moments like walking through the thrusters, but I actually think it's fine because it's not the end-end. Yeah. You then get that much more dynamic conversation with what happens with David, yeah. Walter, who's then revealed to be David on the ship, as if you didn't see it coming, yeah. and putting the, you know, n- knowing at the end that he'd won and he puts them into stasis and it's revealed right far too late that she can do anything, that it's David on the ship with yeah. them, not Walter. So that's a darker, more cerebral, not cerebral, but um, more dramatic ending rather than an action ending. So where this is, it didn't bother didn't me. mind. What about you? Did could you care done, about it? Could have done without the shower scene. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not usually someone who says that. Yeah. But, um, Naked people in the shower, Jamie. It, it, Is it that just, not your jam? It felt really oddly placed. It just felt like a way to get rid of those two characters in yeah. a way that wasn't required. But also... I didn't need the tail going up her legs. Yeah, that, that was a callback to the first fil- film as well. Yeah, but no, also, To be fair, they resist the urge to have it actually go... In. inside her but it was obvious what it, they were they were calling back to and it's like dude don't just don't do it but again you're right 
the rest of the film had been more cerebral. You'd had your action finale. And then all of a sudden... It was as if the scriptwriter went, oh shit, we've left these two alive. Yeah. Oh, we can't no. have that many left alive. But it's a generic horror trope. It's not mm. anything intelligent or any... Di- it's literally two hot people are going to bang. Oh, people having sex outside marriage. Better stab them through the old JJ oh, with so the alien bang, tail. You're like... Bang. Bang any bang. Really? So bang, like, bang, 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 bang. I mean, it's, it's it's such a... Tr- it's literally what happens at the beginning of Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> snakes on a Plane. It's Snakes on a Plane with the alien. I, I'm sick and fucking tired of these motherfucking xenomorphs <laughs> on this motherfucking spaceship. But you see my point? Yeah, I see it's, your point. It's, you know... It's, fr- it's every Friday the 13th film. Oh, getting frisky out of wedlock? Don't mind if I do? Come in and bury this machete in your face. Yeah, and it's just like... It, it, that fell out of place. Like, the way it was done wasn't particularly bad. Mm. But it didn't fit in with where we were in the film and what the film had been up to this point. Yeah. You know, it just felt weird. Fair enough, fair enough. So... Not enough to derail the film in my enjoyment of the film, though, to be honest. So, overall, final thoughts. Um, my opinion on this hasn't changed. I still like it. In fact, if anything, I think I liked it a little more this time around. Yeah. Um, and certainly sitting here talking about the different meanings of it has definitely... Um, Definitely further piqued my interest. Yes, shall we say? I I thought it was well shot. I thought the sound was good. Uh, we didn't pick up any Wilhelm screams in this one. No. Um, I I think Alien Covenant is a good film. Yeah. Um, I'd recommend it to people. Interesting. Uh, I would recommend it. I really enjoyed this film. Uh, this is actually one that I've been avoiding because I somewhat enjoyed Prometheus. But it's a very disappointing movie. And when I'd heard people slagging this off, some a, a couple of people I knew had even said it was worse than Prometheus. Wow. And I was like, you know what, then I'll avoid it because I love Alien. I love Ridley Scott's work. And Prometheus was only okay. Um, if this is worse, I don't want to sully it even more. Uh, I'm disappointed that I did that now because I really, really enjoyed it. This is the best Alien movie for me since Aliens. Mm. Uh, Alien 3 is... A, don't, I don't blame David Fincher for that. That's definitely a fault of the studio. Um, it, that got neutered because of budget and other things. Uh, but Alien Resurrection is not a good film. No, I and hate Pro- Alien Resurrection. Yeah, and this is far better than Prometheus in every level. Um, it takes the themes of Prometheus, but it does them a lot better. And getting shot off the engineers was such a good move because the way he did the pr- engineers in Prometheus was... I couldn't care less. Yeah. I didn't give a shit. Um, so, yeah, this, this film was, for me, very enjoyable. And yeah, there are a couple of flaws in it. Um, and the only way you can really get around half those flaws is David is just malfunctioning. But even that, fine. If he's just malfunctioning, it doesn't actually detract from his ideals on evolution or whether or not he's evolving and whether flaws are part of evolution for him. Um, so yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as a themes. You know, not the best movie ever made, but it's certainly it's the best one we've reviewed so far. Okay, wonderful. Well, that's pretty much it. That was our first Dalliance into the Alien franchise. Mm. I'm fairly certain it won't be our last. Um, What did you guys think about the film? Please do feel free to get in touch and let us know. We'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, In the meantime, please do... 
Uh, check out our other shows, VGMP, the video game movie podcast, where we talk about movie adaptations of popular and sometimes unpopular video games. Yep. Uh, we've got a nice mix on there of well-known adaptations like the Resident Evil movies and things like that. And real obscure titles like a Power Stone anime. Power Stone anime. That's a thing. Sega Hard Girls. Sega Hard Girls, which is the weirdest show you will ever see. It probably is one of the weirdest um, ones we've done. Yeah. And that um, was our third episode. That was too soon to be doing Sega Hard Girls. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you can also check out my audio drama show that I created that also uh, I work on with my good friend and colleague Benton Hodges and also features Mr. Jocelyn here in a recurring role and he has also guest written an episode for season two. That is Haunted the Audio Drama, available on all good uh, podcasting apps. Uh, and with that said, I think it's time to put a wrap on Alien Covenant. This is Jamie and Rory signing off. <laughs>